Welcome to Behind the DM Screen. We are three DMs helping each other out and talking about our games. Not necessarily in that order. I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, it is May of 2021, and uh, the, the, you know my script is literally five bullet points. So this is how uh, this is how the show goes. We are off the cuff, and we are doing it live. So, <laughs> uh, Mike, Sam, Hello. say hi. Hello. Hello. So that's Mike and Sam. I'm Jeff. Uh, Mike. Yo. You're up first. 45 minutes on the clock. 45 minutes on the clock. So uh, you go ahead nice. and get started, and I'm going to take a nap. Let me know when you're done, and we'll go from there. <laughs> oh, boy. So I've been having a really great time with Rime of the Frostmaiden, and something that I've enjoyed thoroughly is that the adventure gives you lots of room to sort of add your own stories. And Sam knows this too, that like Sam added a whole arc with, with Torog. Uh, I've added a whole arc uh, with, with some support from Sam's uh, uh, DMs Guild product on this with the cult of Oral uh, that I've referred to as the children of Oral because no one refers to themselves as a cult. And uh, <laughs> I've, I've, and, and then I've I threw on another cult on top of that called the cult of Thrun. What, uh, Thrun what, what, is, what about the blue oyster cult? No, they're yeah, they're that's for some other campaign. They refer to so, themselves. They refer to themselves as a cult. Yeah, they all right, <laughs> blue oyster cult. Um, they all killed themselves, right? And don't feel, don't kill the reaper. Don't fear the reaper. <laughs> anyway, we're taking away your time. Go they ahead. Don't fear the reaper anymore. So um, they yeah. So I added a cult of Thrun on top of it, which is like an elder evil that I'm taking from. Um, uh, that I'm taking from Robert Schwab's Elder Evils uh, book say, for three point five. I didn't remember Thrun, so that's why. There isn't a Thrun. So Thrun is only mentioned offhand in the adventure uh, with no real connection. Uh, I am replacing an elder evil in the book Elder Evils called Father Limac with Thrun. And then I made a Father Limac who is a priest of Thrun and put that in. So I kind of added this whole thing, sort of an elder evil. It, it has cool frost maideny sort of ties like it's frozen in the ice. It was put there by elves. And, and Thrun kind of is like from... That. Schwab's thing? So Thrun or? is mentioned. No, so Th- the name Thrun is mentioned in uh, Dugan's Hole in Frostmaiden. Okay. I took an elder evil called Father Limac and renamed it to Thrun and okay. then used pretty much all the rest of it. Got it. Uh, and it, and it's cool. It adds this, it adds this like older elder evil that isn't quite a god, isn't quite a demon prince that has influenced the area and has slowly been breaking free. Uh, during the endless night, the endless night has caused this thing to break free. So I have all these like subplots going, and of course I'm doing my my good duty of like paying attention to the characters and is, learning is, about their backgrounds. And is there is there internal consistency to that? Why that? It seems like the endless night would make things colder, and thus it wouldn't would break free of the ice. For some in in the Elder Evils book, it describes the fact that that night that 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 night is what or day daylight is what keeps it in check. Okay. Right. That then that, then that daylight works. is gone. It's no longer a check. Yeah. So Got yeah, it. it seems odd, but it's not actually cold that's holding it. Got it. It's light that's. Holding it. Um. So, all of that's been great. I've been adding in character background stuff. You know, I uh, one of the characters is a uh, priestess of uh, Illustrae, Illustrae, mm-hmm. Illustrae, 
And uh, so she is actually they 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 found an old illustrated temple, and she is able to teleport it around. I think I might have mentioned that before. Yeah, that they now have a mobile temple that they can sort of move from from Fay Grove to Fay Grove, and uh, so it's pretty cool. So there's lots of room to add all of this stuff, which is great until you realize like, holy cow, I haven't finished half the quests, and they're already fourth level. And I'm supposed mm-hmm. to move on to chapter two, but I'm not even really close to done with chapter one. And there are elements of chapter one that should that I that, that should be foreshadowed by now and aren't. And then I get back to like, well, when was I supposed to do this? Like, how are, am I supposed using, to add these quests? Are you using XP? No, no, the book doesn't support XP. The book, so just the book, stop leveling. Why all, are you leveling up so fast? <laughs> <laughs> so explain why you stop leveling. Like, what sense does that make in the world? Well, right, right. We just say it, and and you know what players love? Hey, you're not going to level for the next four yeah, months. Yeah, no, my players just about they had a minor that. revolt when they didn't level for a while. Yeah, so that's so that's that's kind of what happened in this one. I told them they're going to level slow, and I still got them. But like, you know, it's been six weeks and we haven't leveled, and we're freaking third. Six weeks, so is I, that I leveled long, them, but okay, <laughs> six six weeks. You know, I'm playing every week, right? Yeah, me too. So, yeah, well, they they want leveling. They like to level faster, so they feel like they've been stuck at level three. And, well, you and, know, and that's and that's, that's their of, fun. And that's sort stuff, of where the right? where the game. I mean, that's what the adventures in, that in fifth edition are intended for faster paced leveling. You know, you, there's people that talk about playing six weeks for a level does not feel like fast leveling to me. No, no, no. <laughs> well, feels, compared to though, there, I mean, you t- you hear stories about people who've been running the same campaign for decades I, I and, and they right. level it, once it, a year or whatever, then that's yeah, they're not the norm. I don't, no, well, I don't know what the norm not. is. I don't know how fast people expect to level. I imagine, but like, I imagine, the how norm is, does it. I imagine the norm is closer right. to what you're talking about because that's what all the, right. the published products do. Sure. And and I, I don't presume that AL is the standard either, but Adventures League, you level every four hours. Right? For the first year. I think in my, my castles here. my castles and crusades game, they're on session fourteen and only two characters have leveled up to level two. Sure. Yeah, that's castles and crusades. The different yeah. how many how I'm just saying it de- depends on because twenty seven the of them have died. No, none of them have died. Oh, wow. <laughs> but they so, but they, but yeah, it depends right, on the right, system right, is my point. Right. I, I, right. I, I, I mentioned that leveling was going to be slower and they haven't complained as much. But the reality is they want to see new, they, these people have played a long time. They've got new toys with Tasha's. They want to kind of see the new stuff happen. Right. Right. And it's and it's disappointing if they go a long time and it and it doesn't make sense to them because they're like, I've we've accomplished a whole lot of stuff. We killed Sephic Caltro. We defeated the Cult of Oral and Bryn Shander. We've, you know, say we, we saved the mine and Tourmaline. Right. We killed the, the we killed Moose Jaws. And they're, right? still, they're, still, these, they're still kind of low enough. They're not level. They're low enough level that like those things matter. Like if they were 12th level and they were doing those things, right. then it's like, well, yeah, yeah but right. that stuff doesn't really matter at your power level. So sure. Right. Right. Uh, so so that's one problem that i've been running into mm-hmm. is like there's there's it, it feels like, and and i was i just checked before the show to say like how fast does the book level you and there is this big gap between third and fourth level where like first to second level you do one quest second to third level you do i think it's three quests and then third to fourth is five quests right so it's a long time that, well, think, that, maybe that, it's two that's also consistent with how the game is designed though you're supposed to level up from first to second and the second to third relatively quick and then, and then it slows down to a normal yes. pace. 
Yeah. Second to, if you're following experience points, you mean? I just, that's the advice they've been given on, on leveling up since the beginning, like one session yeah. to get to they level one. And like, got different advice that they've offered up. Yeah. Well, but like, you know, who can that's, say that's the advice um, that stuck in my head and I've always used it. It's worked. Sure. <laughs> because be, it's just because so, low level characters are so squishy. You want to get, get them through that quick, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think we all agree. And like, I don't think anybody, I don't know. There's, I'm sure there's jerks, but like, my feeling is like you should get them out of first level as fast as possible so you don't kill them, right? Because it's so easy to kill first level characters. And and, and in reality, and I did kind of screw this up because I, I didn't realize how uh, Foaming Mugs was going to play out. But I recognize that most of the quests in Chapter 1 are deadly to first level characters. There's only a couple that won't that won't kill them. So I, I leveled them to second level after like a, an encounter before they had even started the rest of it on hindsight. And my recommendation is to start a Bryn Shander, do the foaming mugs quest and level them after the foaming mugs quest, which is kind of what the adventure recommends as well. Right. It sort of says if you can't if you can't pick, pick Bryn Shander and it's a good central hub. Uh, so. Yeah. So having like, but then of course, like, so it's great. You've got all this room to add your own stuff, but if you're adding your own stuff, do those count as quests? And if they complete those quests, that means there's a bunch of other quests you're not going to do. So it means there's so much material in chapter one. Well, you're not really intended to do all of it, are you? So the way, if you, yeah, if you look at it, they have about 12 quests in your intention. They they intend for you to do uh, nine of them, nine of the 12. So, so, you know, three fourths of of them. Yeah, and that's because they have this going from fourth to fifth level, or going from. Um, but it also says that you can be in chapter two level. at fourth level, so right. you actually don't have to complete all those quests. Yeah, to start chapter two, because it's supposed to be kind of a little bit of overlap. So, so that that has been a, an issue for me because I I'm looking at it and I'm like I'm kind of and and you know I'm kind of ready to move to chapter two. I think Sam will say do it right. Like there's no reason not to be in chapter two. I already know what Sam's going to say because we talked about it earlier today. <laughs> so, you know, not me being a jerk, but he actually said this stuff, and I listened. I listened to what Sam says. He's a smart dude. So, um, unlike Jeff, but he's really you know. So agreed um, on all counts. Agreed. You're like I'm not going to argue that. Yeah. No. So. <laughs> So, um, so that's one issue I've been having is like, yeah, there's lots of room for you to do your own stuff, but you're going to, you're going to get rid of the stuff that's in the chapter or if you're going to add your own, right? There isn't, there's not a lot of room to add your own. You're going to be overloaded with content, right? And, and then the other problem that I've run into, which, you know, this, I, I was telling Sam, like my first impression was this adventure is a mess. My second impression was I started running and go, no, it's actually, I was wrong and it's really good. And now I'm back to, no, it really is a mess. Right. And I, I, the problem is like, like I'm a, you know, I'm a relatively experienced Dungeons and Dragons DM, right? I'm firmly in the middle of the pack of DMs and I don't know how the hell to run this thing. Right. There's like, like, when am I supposed to put the quest in front of characters? Which quest do I put in front of characters? You know, how many should they have? How do I cycle them out? Right. There's no there's it talks about that, like these quests are no longer useful, but it doesn't have an exit for them. It doesn't say, like, if the characters don't complete this quest, this is what will happen. And then it goes away. Right. And that way, there's a way for a quest to leave the log, because the problem I ran into is they went to Goodmead. So this is a two part problem. Problem number one is uh, that it seems like the order that the players in both the groups that I've run. So my sample size of two. Uh, in, in when they the way they complete the quest is by which towns they travel to, 
which means if they're going to go to Sierra Koenig from Brinchamp. This is where I disagree with you, but go ahead. Sure. Well, I'm telling you how they did it. So mm-hmm. you could disagree, but that's the reality of how they did it. And the way they did it was they went from Bryn Shander to uh, East Haven because that's on uh, kind of on the path. Then they're going to go to Sierra Dineval and then they're going to Dineval and then they're going to go to Kerr Koenig. And what happens is they go to they go to East Haven. And they're like, oh, yeah, we heard that there's fish missing fisher folk here. Let's go take a look at that. Right. And so let me, like, I don't want him to have to deal with that anymore. Right. Like, so so let me be clear that what I was uh, disagreeing with wasn't that they actually went to those places. It's that there's no reason why they should be presented with every single clue for every single quest everywhere they go. Like, right. Sure. You, you should cultivate Except what they, they already had. Yeah. So, so the problem, and this is like, well, then how am I supposed to do it? The book doesn't tell me. Right, right, right. right. No, and, and I agree with that part. Yeah. yeah. So I, what I did is they were in Bryn Shander. They decided to go to Dugan's Hole. When they went to Dugan's Hole and learned that one, then they learned about the quest in Goodmead. So then they went to Goodmead and completed the quest there, at which point they learned about the East Haven quest because it's adjacent. And they, are, they learned about the Caradineval quest. Because those two are adjacent towns, and I figured if they're adjacent towns, those might be might be reasonable for them to learn those. But then they said, "Yeah, we're not going to do that. We're going to go north because we got to chase Sephic, or not? Yeah, you know, we got to chase the murderer. We know the murderer used to be in Dugan's Hole, and then Goodmead, and then Brinchander, and now is on the way to Targos. So we're going to head to Targos, right? So then they head to Targos, and I think I mentioned that the Targos quest to them. Oh yeah, the, you know, there's some there's yeah. some explorers that went. That missing. was your mistake. Well, right, but like, when the hell else am I going to do it, right? So, well, so then you just leave that quest out, and that's the thing. Right. Well, the good news is they didn't do that one, and that one has a nice, easy exit, which is, oh, yeah, those guys are dead, right? right? Yeah. Like, no one no one sure. went to go look at them. Turns out we found them, and they're dead. They get eaten by yetis. So that quest goes away. Uh, they did learn about the the uh, Bremen quest was actually one of the initial quests that I dropped on because it was a low-level quest. And and I said, yeah, that sea monster went away. So whatever whatever sea monster was screwing with the boats, it disappeared. So no one's interested in that anymore. And so that meant I had two quests that came on and then left. Yeah. But then they went up to – so they went to Targos. They missed, they missed that quest. Then they went over to Tourmaline. Well, Tourmaline has a cool quest, right? The Tourmaline, the mine. So they did the mine. And then they also had heard about Moose Jaws, and they were excited about Moose Jaws. So I'm not yanking that one. So then they went up and took care of Moose Jaws and the – the other one. So now, and then of course my own quest kick in, they go back to Brinchander, they deal with the cult of Oral. That took a while, right? It was three sessions for them doing that. And now they're heading back and they're like, oh yeah, we have on our list about those missing fisher folk. And I could have said, yeah, we found them, they're dead. Or we're not really interested. They disappeared, but no one else has disappeared, so we're not worried about it anymore. Right? Except that's a cool quest and it's got a lot going on with it. Which one is that? And it's, you know, uh, that is the um, toil and trouble quest okay. in in East Haven, and it's a, there's actually a they, ton they, of they, East they get on the boat and they find the caves and there's like a yeah they find the caves they find a, there's a hag they yeah. get the they get the thing and what what matters is you that, get this that was one of the ones I play tested yeah so you get this bolt you get this you know uh, whatever the the cauldron cauldron of plenty and that can feed like all of ten towns or can feed at least one of them right. right? And now it's this major element. So you like you kind of want to do that one and be ashamed to lose it. The only problem is that one's also tied to a whole other quest, and there's like a seance thing. So you're looking at probably at least three sessions in East Haven, right? And you still haven't introduced Duergar yet, right? And so even though the characters well, heard about, so now I'm like I got to get these Duergar involved. 
And yeah, the Dewar Guard can show up in East Haven. Right. So there is a little bit there. Not but, they can, they do. Durth, Mildor's brother, is actually in East Haven as per the book. It's not that you have to change anything or right. move anything yeah. around. Yeah, it's yeah. that it's already written that he's already, there. Yeah, yeah, right. So so there's options there. Um but what I run into is like I want them to go to Karkonig and deal with the ghosts in Karkonig, right? Or, or I, what I call the ghosts, it turns out they're invisible to Argar. Uh, the problem is like they already had, uh, you know, again, because they were adjacent to another town, they had heard about the fact that the town speaker to um, Ker Dineval has kind of gone missing, was apparently sick and has gone missing and is now being held, you know, being being taken care of by friends in the care. So they're interested. And I'm like, huh, I wonder what's going on there. And I'm like, hey, that's a great place for more cult of Thrun people, right? Like what if there's an older cult of Thrun group, right? So I don't want to discount that group, but I also don't want them to get involved in that because they just beat a whole other cult. And there's all this other stuff for them to do. The problem is when you put all these juicy hooks in front of them, they're going to bite. And that means they're going to do 26 quests, you know, without getting any levels or anything like that. So I'm, 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 and I haven't even gotten into like how the hell I'm going to get them involved in chapter two. Right. And I'm, I'm starting to get advice of like, which I asked on Twitter today. And I've been talking in the discord about, you know, which of the chapter two locations are really cool and worth seeing. And it seems like the nice thing there is it's not all of them. There's a handful of them that are pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And then there's a bunch that I can probably skip. So that, that's good. I'm, I'm curious, Mike, because you've run them both and, and, I mean, I have my impression of this section of Rhyme and how I would do it and whatever, but I haven't run it other than some playtest missions. But yeah. it's – in some ways, the the, t the Tin Towns and all the quests in Tin Towns doesn't run or doesn't feel significantly different than Curse of Strahd, except that there's three towns in Curse of Strahd and each one has their own parcel of quests as opposed to Tin um, ten, you know, different towns that have different quests. So how does that? How does one of them work so well for you, and the other one is a struggle? A, a major. So I think yeah, I have to think back, right? Because mm -hmm. it's been a long time since I've run Curse of Strahd. But one thing was because you had the prophecy, and the prophecy gave you three things you had to acquire, and where you had to acquire mm. them. There was drive and direction for the characters ahead of time. And so even though they might get involved in subquests in a particular area, they might go to Veliki and deal with a bunch of craziness in Veliki. They still knew, hey, we're eventually going to have to go to the Wizard of Wines because we know that one of the prophecy items is there. Right? They had this they had this other big drive and they don't have any drive like that. Right. The problem with with Frostmaiden Frost is that it doesn't have the primary quest to, to for them to focus yeah, on. Yeah, and my okay. my argument is if you gave them the primary there is one kind of right, right? but like, they don't as I as I asked, I asked Sam I said what's the main goal and he said there are three main goals which feels like three you know you know how do you can you have three main goals right like, <laughs> well I mean the main right and and so the problem is the obvious choice is get rid of the endless night so if you were to make get rid of the endless night, the primary goal, right. none of the 10 towns quests matter at all because none of them had anything to do with that. So mm -hmm. if you motivate the if the characters are motivated by like stop oral from causing the endless night, mm -hmm. why the hell am I helping these stupid dwarves with their metal problem with the You know, the fact that goblins stole their ingots. No one would do that. So what I did, which I think worked has worked out really well, except it's led 
to this secondary problem is that the character's motivation was to help the people of Ten Towns survive the Endless Night. Mm-hmm. And that means all of the quests are valuable, right? Well, and then that also so, leads to ending it because ending it is the best way to help them survive it. Yeah, exactly. And ending it can be one of those. And so it, and, and same, same with saving it from uh, Duergar uh, attack. You know, all of the rest of it can can help. But if you give if you gave like either the quest of, you know, discover the hidden power that exists beneath Icewind Dale, right, mm-hmm. could be another driver, which is a main part of the book. But if you do that again, like you're going to do 20 quests that don't matter. Right. Nothing. Nothing matters. But so but the problem is, if you have this endless quest, if you have this idea of help the people at 10 Town survive the endless night, all these quests are useful. Well, now they're motivated to do every one of them. Right. right? And now they're going to do every one of them. And it's yeah. hard to stop from grabbing onto a quest. So. This is the kind of stuff that yeah. I like to, I like to fix. This is the kind of stuff I like to fix in like a, a set in a, in a campaign to fix in session zero to give them sort of individual drive drivers and motivations. But it's hard to know what that needs to be. Like, this is why I like running adventures three years after yeah. you all do it. So I can figure out what I need to put into session zero. Well, to fix it. <laughs> I'm, I'm spending a lot of time on Rhyme of the Frost Maiden. I'm doing a lot of prep on it. I'm doing a lot of stuff with it. And I still don't have a good recommendation on how to do it. Right. Like I still, I, I don't know how I'm supposed to distribute the quests. Right. I'm, I'm not sure how I'm supposed to hand them out and when and which direction the bed. You know, uh, Sam and I were talking about what about a flow chart, like having a it's too bad that there isn't sort of a flow chart that sort of goes through. Them. And I think if you recall, one of my original ways I was going to do it was groups of three that there's like tiers. Right. right. And then I was going to run it the same way Dragon of Ice Spire Peak runs because that right. one actually runs pretty well, which is here's tier, your tier one quest. The problem is the way I had those tiers set up was not the location, which means players would be going through different towns to do another quest, right? And they'd they'd skip the stuff that is happening in a town. Right. So it it was yeah, it's just it, it it's weird like, you know, they're they're location-based quests and they're kind of described as location-based quests, which means the flow chart is the organization of the towns physically. Right. Right? And that's that's kind of what I tried again, but then the problem is yeah, then they backtracked and now they got seven quests, right? Because right? they they went to one place, got the the neighboring quest, and then didn't, decided not to do this. And I realized I'd screwed up as soon as they headed north. And I was like, oh, crap. Their quest log is full of southern quests. Well, and now and, they're heading north, and it's about to be loaded up with northern quests. And, and you – I mean and you talked about some of the, the issue here is that like you can very easily just say, well, all of these quests are on a timer. As soon as you find out about them, there's consequences if you didn't, do, if you didn't prioritize it. Like it's not an issue. If you can do them yeah. all, you have to prioritize, except then you end up skipping some of the ones that they don't know are kind of the cooler ones that you want to make sure to do. Right. That's, <laughs> so. that's, like I could have skipped the East Haven quest, right? right. So I think, I think one of the – death is not a great way to introduce a town. I think, I think that, um, that your fundamental – Misunderstanding your your fundamental misunderstanding about chapters one and two mm-hmm. is something that I think a lot of people are having as a fundamental misunderstanding because the book doesn't present it very well, to be perfectly honest. And the fundamental misunderstanding is this: they are not supposed to have every quest laid out before them. It is not necessary for them to accomplish every task. It's not necessary for them to right. get the task as soon as they enter a town. And the um, the idea of what they're supposed to be doing, there's also, you know, the, the book gives you that whole set of secrets and backgrounds 
so that you can seed in things and make the different different quests, depending on your party, the different quests can be more enticing or more meaningful to different PCs. And mm. that's where you make the basis of which do I choose to even right. tell them about, right? And 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 I think the book does a really piss poor job of saying any of that. And the flow chart is a linear do chapter one, yeah, then, right. do chapter two, then do chapter three. Like that's not, not helping me. That's, flow yeah, chart. that's called a table of I contents. Mean, they've done yeah. that a bunch with some adventures where they, they give you a flow chart. Like it worked well. It, it worked well in Storm King's Thunder, but yeah. Yeah. It, they could have done that so much better. They could have. So here's, here's the thing. The problem is that this is a sandbox adventure and I'm having no problems running this. Right. Because that's how I typically run my games is very sandboxy. And so I already have it under my set of tools in my wheelhouse, how to sort of put the stopper on giving them new information that wants them to go to a different place or wants them to attempt a different quest. Right. And I, I already can rein that in and only give them exactly what they need to make a choice. And then once they've made a choice about which which of the two or three quests that are presented, which they're going to do, and my group already understands that if they, if they say they're going to finish the first one and then attempt to go do one of the others, I'm not going to give them something in between that's going to uh, you know, distract them, right? Because that's just how it works. Um, and the other thing that is a problem with this adventure, because they didn't give a flowchart, they didn't give anyone a very nice depiction of here's all the links from chapter two yeah. into the chapter one things so that you could hint things in chapter one about stuff in the future or so that you can call back to chapter one things by the time they get to chapter two and it makes them feel like they were successful and they accomplished something and what to hint about sunblight in chapters three and four they don't do any of that and as mike knows i read the adventure cover to cover before i did anything and because i'm used to running sandboxes i took and when I read each town, I said, okay, this is interesting to me, and it relates to my player's backstory, my piece, the PC's backstory. So I can hint this, and I want them to meet this person who can tell them this, right? Mm -hmm. And then go to the next town. Okay, does this even sound interesting at all? Does it relate to anybody's backstory? Does it relate to any other town? Does it relate to Sunblight? If no, who gives a crap about that? Like, it might even be a cool quest, but if it doesn't relate to anything, right now it goes at the bottom of the list. And then move on, right? And and that's kind of how I went through, and that's how I decided what to do. Now, of course, the players are the ones determining in-game what they actually do, but they also know that if they find out something and they don't go back and finish that quest, either it's it's, yeah. it's, it's going to end and nobody resolved it, so those individuals died or whatever, or... They just don't like they're not they're not successful at it. So they might get a bad reputation. Right. And some, you know, some quests they shouldn't get right off the bat because they're too hard at first level or second level. Yeah. But the reasoning for that isn't just that, oh, it's too hard for them. So I'm not giving it to them. It's that nobody tells them about that particular situation because they don't have a reputation yet. Nobody in 10 towns knows that they're the ones that could solve that problem yet. So they don't get that information, even if they go to that town. Mm -hmm. Right. So the, a fundamental problem with this this book is that they didn't give any 
bit of advice about how to take the 10 quests in the beginning and the 25 things that you can do in chapter. I think it's actually 13 quests. Yeah. Whatever. But yeah, yeah, because the cold open and then the chewingas and all that. But yeah. like all of the things there and then, and then in chapter two, they don't give any advice about, hey, here's how to actually use this information. They just or here's one way, gonna... right? Like here's an option. Yeah. Right. Here's an option and here's how we determine this. Right. And they don't do any of that. So right. it doesn't surprise me at all if anybody has a problem with this whatsoever. Yeah, it's just it's so not. Do you, you say that? Well, I mean, is it is it you know, it sounds like one of the main differences between the way I've run it and the way you've run it is that you had a tighter control over which quests were available to them. You you held back quests and made sure that they, you know, they only had so many in front of them, regardless of what towns are traveling to. They only had so many that were in front of them at any given time. Right. So I gave them three quests yeah. in the very beginning, right? They learned about the murder, right? So they got the cold open. Yep. Okay. And I knew they weren't going to complete that for at least two or three sessions because of the way that I set it up. They were going to be forced to go to two different towns before they get enough information to actually solve it, right? Sure. Yeah. And they're not going to – They I, I under no circumstances are they going to run into Sefik and Torga, right? Spoilers, by the way, for anybody watching, we give spoilers. Oh, we're beyond that. Yeah. yeah. So the thing is that if they were ever going to a town where I knew Sefik and Torga were, they wouldn't actually meet them in that town. They would pass them on the road, mm -hmm. right? So they might see them or whatever, but they're not going to have any interaction with them for at least three sessions. So I kind of put that in so that that could be a long-running thing, but I knew they couldn't resolve it at first. Sure. Right? Here, here's my question. Yeah. We're, we're talking about Sam's game now, and Mike's time is, yeah, is yeah. done 30, 30 minutes. Should we start Sam's timer? Yeah. <laughs> no, this counts as time. Yeah, this start, is Sam's time. Timer. Okay, I'll start Sam's so, timer. <laughs> so, so what I did was uh, I – so I gave them that first – the cold open, right? I also had them meet Velen Harpel one of the main other people, right? Because I knew that they were going to need to have to talk to her later because they need to know about the Arcane Brotherhood because they need to eventually have some kind of interest in Yithrin, right? And even though that's way far out in Chapter 7, they need to sure. start learning about that early yeah. so that by the time it shows up, it's not just a, what the hell's going on? It's a, oh, this is what's going on. Now we know why this person was there right so i made that npc an important npc that they may work with or they may work against or they may trust or they may not trust you know for whatever and i had her give them the chewinga quest and the reason i did that is they may or may not find the chewingas but this is her testing them to see if they are worthy of her attention right because mm -hmm. if they actually aren't worthy of her attention, she's not going to offer them help, right? And so – and how do they interact with her? So the, I gave them those two things. So I gave them both cold the cold open and the Chewinga quest, but I knew they weren't going to resolve those right away. So they're kind of quests that are in process but not going to be resolved. And then I, I gave them um, – information that led them because they started in Targos and I gave them information because of the murder that led them back to Bryn Shander because the first quest I wanted them to actually do is either the moose quest in Lonelywood or the foaming mugs in Bryn Shander. Okay. Because I needed them to investigate the moose because of the elven tomb that's in the Lonelywood. Okay. Right. It wasn't about the moose. They might not because the moose probably would have killed Pump, them at first pumpkin level. spice mummy pumpkin, it's spice. pumpkin spice mummy right yeah. 
So, um, I, but, and so once again, uh, notice I'm working in the arcane brotherhood mm-hmm. right at the beginning. Yeah. I don't have any problem with the ties, by the way. I've, I've got uh, all kinds of deep ties yeah, for yeah, yeah. mind flayers and yeah. for right, the, right, right. the, the right. netheries. Yeah. And, and I quickly worked in Torog. The arcane that. brotherhood's so, already wired. Yeah. I've got lots of foreshadowing. Right, right. So, so the thing is like, so the quests I gave them, I forced them to learn about the murders. So, so that's the first quest. They got the Chewinga quest, but I didn't really consider that because that's just so that they could meet. Yeah, Valen- I kind of would. Yeah, yeah. No. it's well, a dumb. I, I didn't. I didn't do it. It's just not. It's not in the style that you know. It's if there's a really deep moment, they might end up running into some Chewingas because they're kind of cute, and my party likes that kind of stuff, right? But it's not about actually completing that quest. It was more about giving them a reason to meet Velen Harpel because she was looking for some Chewingas, right? Um, and so then I gave them foaming mugs. And I gave them the choice for lonely. I, I told them about the moose. Okay, they learned about the moose because they were in a tavern in Targos, and one of the Reghead tribesmen in my party was talking about how the reason he's in ten towns instead of out with his tribe is that his tribe is starving because they can't find any more elk to hunt. And one of the drunk patrons in the bar in the tavern said, "Oh, I know why there's no elk because the moose is leading them all the way cuz he wants all the tin towners to die and that moose killed my brother and the guys crying and drinking and all this stuff, right? So that was the perfect opening for me to give them any quest, notice. Any quest I could have given them because they're in a tavern and I didn't have to tell them. I chose not to give them the Targos quest right. because the quest they got in Targos was the cold open. And if I gave them the Targos quest, they have to go to like five other towns to go through to get to Ke- to Kelvin's Cairn. But I don't want them to go to Kelvin's Cairn yet. I want yeah. them to spend time the in Targos. Tent- quest is an easy one to skip. Yeah, it's easy to skip, and you don't and even have to. And say there's nothing anything. really, you know, right. there's nothing well, really there other than getting killed by. Anything. And, and, and well, you've, you need to you've already to talked to Cairn at some point. You've, you've both already talked about how the the chapter one quests don't really drive the rest of the main story. No, I didn't say that. Oh, what, okay. The point I'm trying to make is <laughs> I, I, I said that. Make, yeah, I know. The Mike point said I'm trying it. to make is the point I'm trying to make is that you can make those quests matter because what you do is you seed in backstory elements and you seed in different. Like the unseen is the only quest in the act in the in chapter one that actually has Dwergar in it fully that that's the point of the quest and i seeded that i seeded dwergar into almost every other place so they could accidentally stumble into dwergar or hear about dwergar because those dwergar are becoming a menace right so and so in it, fact go ahead, go ahead. As I say, is it, is it fair to say that the chapter one, the real goal of the chapter one quest, other than obviously mechanically to level people up so they can get to the other stuff later, the real goal of chapter one quests is is the setting building. You're you're building not only yeah. the setting of Tin Towns, but the setting of right. the events right. of what's going Getting on. Here's, you yeah. want to know the real deal about the goal of chapter one? The goal of chapter one is to make your players love Tin Towns so that when so the dragon comes and tries to, to destroy it, yeah. they care mm. enough to mm. chase it down and try to fight it. That's the real goal of chapter one. It's to it, yes, it's to level them so, up. Yes, so any qu- that any quests that, that any quests that aren't going to get you to that, you can cut. Right. Yeah. But there's really not many quests that take you to that. Like not not that specific one. So there's you know I take there are lots of opportunities to seed in chapter two and 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 mm-hmm. and later things inside it. So like the mind flayer uh, uh, psi crystal in Tourmaline leads clearly to the ascendant. 
uh, quest in chapter two. Mm -hmm. uh, the white moose and a couple of the other ones show the awakened animals, which all sort of tie into Oral's attempt to try to push society away. Right. You got to do a little bit of yoga in order to, you know, draw those connections together. Uh, and they're in the southern towns. They they definitely have clear ties to the Dorgar, but none of the northern stuff does. Right, you but can see, add I, it. But right. East East Haven has it right, yeah, and so the, the thing is that East yeah. Haven is also the hub of the cult, right? So, for me in my game, this is the hub. Yeah. Of the cult. Well, right. So right. so what is like we could we could do all kinds of things when we're making right, it right. ourselves. But I paid fifty bucks. Right, right, right. No, and and I'm not just I'm not saying that you're wrong about that. Like what here's my my thing I've been saying for like two or three years now, maybe even longer, is all of these big ass 320 page hardback adventures, right? They could actually be shorter. You don't need as much adventuring material in there. You don't. You really don't. Instead, what you could do is take a few couple, two, three pages per chapter. And make that into sidebars and tips and hints on how to run this damn adventure. Well, honestly, for like everybody, look, look for novice DMs, for intermediate, mm -hmm. and for expert DMs. Because a lot of the things that they're going to, to your point, like they're detailing a lot of specific locations and adventures and quests and whatever. But if you look at like uh, the faction quests in Dragon Heist. You you got like a blurb, like there was a paragraph, and and I would I'd run a whole session on that, right? And that was enough, right? Uh, for so for so you're I think you're right for some of those things they could cut down the page count for for some of the locations and the adventures and whatever because without the advice, without the sidebars, without the explanation and the meta sort of discussion of the whole thing, you're making every adventure hard mode to DM anyway. You know, and so not having the details for every quest isn't the thing that's making it hard mode. It's figuring out how it all goes together is, is the hard right. mode part right. at this point. And and the thing is that because the way that rhyme is is presented, it presents it as here are separate quests. And it shouldn't present it as that. It should say, hey, this quest, foaming mugs, can be related to the unseen right. this way. And you got three sentences there, right? Or it can be related to the black swords thing in uh, what where, wherever because maybe Can't you know, right, right. And or it could be related to Lonelywood because maybe you know whatever. Like they could totally make three sentences to say that hey, from foaming mugs, here's what they learned from those three dwarves that they just saved and, mm -hmm. and brought the ingots back to, right? Here's what they can learn, and that's going to lead your party to one of these three quests, your choice, or how about choose one that's going to appeal to your players, or you choose one that, that actually addresses something in the background of one of the players, right? If the if one of the players is the background that they uh you know they're a worshipper of Levistus, you're gonna want to do that Black Swords Castle quest, right? Because that those are Levistus people and you want your character to interact with you want your PC to interact with them. That's gonna be meaningful to that person. But if you don't have anything to do with Levistus, like my none of my people have anything really to do with Levistus that that impacts the game very much. So that's basically left out because I replaced Asmodeus with Torog and I don't need Levistus in there because I have the cult of oral so I don't need another cult you know so mm -hmm. like I changed those things but I did it very intentionally because of certain goals that I had but the book didn't tell me to do that it didn't tell me how to do it right. it didn't tell me how to connect any of those 
individual quests with other quests, and they could easily have done that. That's why I say that thing about the stupid flowchart. Don't even call that thing a flowchart. It's a so reduced ridiculous. table of contents but, with but colored boxes. It serves no quality. purpose at all. But yeah. that's been true no of purpose. all of their adventures. <laughs> right. They, but, they, well, the funny thing is they got they got really good accolades once for doing it with Storm King's Thunder. Right. And, right. and, and it said, was oh, good. We're do this with all of them. And they did it in every one of them, and it's useless. And all of them but are the just straight is, lines. Like, so what's the point? Think about that. Think about that page, right? I could take a two sentence. Right. Uh, I could take each each quest, and I could write the three prongs. Okay, you can connect it to this quest, or this quest, or this quest. In two sentences, I could fill up that page. That page that's wasted on their quote flowchart, right? Their flowchart should do that for me because Mike paid fifty bucks for the book. Damn it. Yep. Right. <laughs> so one one thing that occurs to me, and I, I'm sorry to jump in on Sam's time, but yeah, I'll, yeah, no, do it. So one thing that occurs to me is like. And it would be a ton of work to do it, so it's it's not t- t- great. But like making this thing level faster, so that half of the quests in ten towns are your first to fourth level, and the other half are are tier two, right? And and then blend that into chapter two, so that you can actually make this a, a up to tier three quest, oh, right. because. Two of the other problems I have is like, hey, we built this enormous Shardalon town destroying dragon. Oh, it's got like 112 hit points. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's like a CR six. Right. And then like, oh, you know, my favorite. God, this drives me bananas. Mm-hmm. Right. Is you read it. Disclaimer. The windswept tundra of Icewind Dale is the true test of one's metal. Blah, 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 blah. You know, uh, where is it? Uh, mm-hmm. The Dark Antlers. Uh, Icewind Dale is the frost maiden, the frostbitten end of the world. You can't spell dice without my friend. And the frost maiden is not some demon prince, vampire, lich, beholder, crime lord or arch devil. She is a god and a cold hearted one. Yeah, she's like. She's she'll get one shotted by a paladin with radiant damage, <laughs> right? right. Like so, she's so underpowered for a god. But if she yeah, was but, tier three or tier four and she's CR eighteen, now right, we right, be right. talking, right? right. But well, instead, the structure they yeah. compress the levels so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and the thing is, too like much material for for too few levels, right? And you you can actually so the way, and then the way they have you level is kind of funky, right? Because I gave my my PCs encountered some winter wolves and some emaciated other wolves going into Targos when they very first got there. So they didn't know anything about anything, and they had that, and that's what leveled them from one to two because they defeated those emaciated wolf pack, right? And so even at level one, they could do that. It was very dangerous for them because it was a it was a winter wolf with a full strength breath, right? But you know, they they actually succeeded. They went right up to level two. So they didn't even do anything other than one combat and they got to level two. Yeah. And then I put them up to level three after the second session. So they had only completed one quest and I put them to level three. But then they sat in level three and yeah. I, I had told them, I had warned right. them that I'm going to level them really fast at first because they need to be a little more hardy to survive. Right. And then, they're, then yeah. they're going to be moving around and doing kind of some smaller quests and they're going to stay level three for a while. Yeah. Then I leveled them to level four. And as soon as they got to level four, I started seeding in things from chapter two, even though they had only really completed like three quests from chapter one so far at that point. Because yeah. now that they can move across the tundra, because I they got some dogs and sleds, right. now they can move across the tundra they can actually encounter things from chapter two and those things can be clues to either sunblight or ithrin or how to defeat oral or they can be clues back to something that is going to be learned when they get into you know into back into one of the tin towns right yeah. But the only reason I can do that is number one I'm used to running sandboxes like this and number two I read the whole damn thing 
before mm-hmm. I even ran the game. Before I did session zero, I read the entire thing and I already had in my mind here are how these things are connected. And then when I did session zero and I learned my my the PC's backgrounds and their secrets, then I even I I groomed it even more, right? Like one mm-hmm. of my one of my PCs is the runaway author, right? And one of the PCs is a person who's actually escaped from escaped is running away from their family of nobles from Waterdeep and Neverwinter. And of course, the reason that the runaway author, they don't, they didn't know what each other's secret was, right? We didn't do open secrets. They are actual secrets. Yep. Yep. First. The and same so yeah. I could easily say, okay, well, either in Bryn Shander, which is a large, one of the larger cities or in East Haven, there's going to be a bookshop where they're going to carry the book that that runaway author wrote right and if anybody hears that runaway author's name they're going to say hey i saw your book in the bookstore and that way i could get their backstory in there and then that's going to lead to all all kinds of strife right so i (laughs) since i knew i wanted to (laughs) i I, I wanted to work that in so i now could put that i could slot that into my my own flow chart right based on the character backgrounds and secrets. And I have two reghead tribesmen in my party and I can work in, I worked in the, there's something in chapter two where you run into a, a, one of the reghead encampments, right? And then there's one of the stupid, te- the, another thing I don't like about this is the tests of oral. When you get into her house and you're supposed to go through her tests and it goes through all this, oh, this is really real. The players are, the PCs are really, really there. But like, it's really just this dumb test. When they finish it, they get back to, her house somehow like that's basically a dream sequence, but they don't want to admit it's a dream sequence. Right. <laughs> so like, I hate those. I don't, I didn't like that part of it because then if they don't succeed, some druids show up and let them in anyway. So it's dumb. But anyway, so like, so those parts, but one of those quests is like a preservation quest where they come upon a reghead camp that has been ravaged and all the reghead tribesmen have been killed except for one young kid. Who's the, who was the son of the, of the of the clan leader or whatever but he's a chosen of oral which is why he can withstand the weather and he hid in a snowbank or something and they didn't see him so they slaughtered his whole clan but they so here's the thing when my party ran into the reghead encampment in chapter two as they're coming across the tundra they met that kid and his parents and they know why that tribe was out there and they know everything that's happening because that tribe is trying to break off from the larger tribe because the tiger clan and the elk clan or whatever are fighting because they both think they're chosen of oral and so they're the elk clan has become cannibals like there's all this stuff going on that's in the book that's sort of hinted at here and there that you could fit into these areas and so because I have tribesmen in my group I chose to use those so I put that there so now they know the kid and his family Later on, they're going to find him by himself and the rest of his clan having been destroyed. And that's going to motivate them more to go after Oral because it's her fault that that happened, right? So I couldn't do that if I hadn't read the whole book and read – and when I say – I mean I had to read the creature entries too because if you don't read the entry about Velen Harpel and Nas Lantiger and all that, Mm -hmm. and if you don't read the creature entries about Crag Cats and the Cold Light Walkers, and if you don't read the entries about the Ceramorphs and about the the Reghead tribes, it's really hard to seed all that stuff back into those quests – because the book doesn't do a good job of saying this might be important if your party has this background or if your party has one of these types of characters. It doesn't do any of that. 
I'm, a I'm really he- good organizational layout could do that for you. I'm hearing very clearly that um, my in- initial instinct to not really be very interested in this adventure, and then I got interested in it as you all were talking about getting started. Uh, and now it's sounding more and more like, no, I need to treat it like Tomb of Annihilation and just tear things out of it that I want to use in other campaigns. Uh, and, let me, and that'll, let me be very I think, clear. go well. Let me be very clear. I love this adventure. This adventure is right up my alley. It is perfectly suited to the way I love to run a game and the way that I prep and the way that I consume an adventure, the way I read it and prep for it. It works perfectly for me. And I, and this is how I've been doing things for a really long time. So for me, like Mike was on the Discord earlier saying, oh, here's what I'm having trouble with. Oh, I didn't understand this or, oh, I don't know that. And it's like, for me, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is this and this and this and this because this is like, mm-hmm. this is my wheelhouse. This is second nature to me. Right. But your, but real, your wheelhouse really is sad. <laughs> your wheelhouse is you never run published adventures. So that, <laughs> you don't, right. you're not, you, so you don't one, get help. So you're not one, used to that. No, you're right. You're right. So one that's really loosey goosey and doesn't have a ton of uh-huh. connections, and I have to make those connections myself. That is ex- that's exactly right. That's right at my wheelhouse. However, because I'm running it as the, I'm basically running it. The quests that are in there, everything is run as written for the the quests. The only thing I added was the cult, and I changed Asmodeus to Torog, and I'm making the connections where the book doesn't describe connections. I'm giving more clues, more letters from Nildar and Durth and Zardarok, and more things got stolen in different towns by the Dwergar and stuff like that. Those things I added because they make sense based on you know what the what the Dwergar is supposed supposedly doing, right? Which the book doesn't do that. It only puts them in one town, which is dumb. And, and it's yeah, worth I, noting. I, for I don't. I don't recommend it. For anybody yeah. who is I'm listening or side. for anybody who's listening or watching this, though, uh, it is worth noting that if you want to integrate the Cult of Oral, uh, Sam has a fantastic product at DMs Guild and you can buy that. And that is all about the Cult of Oral. Never stop plugging, right, yeah. Mike? It's it's called <laughs> it's called the Creed of Oral and it's four ninety nine. It's about twenty four pages and uh, it's actually a silver bestseller now. So yeah, that's good nice. stuff. Yeah. Good job. All right. Yeah, just I know I know you got to talk about your game, but you need three seconds. Say, to, to, at some point, I need a three 50, 50, Do I get fifty minutes and, as well? <laughs> sure. Uh, my 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 rebut- Yeah, I was thinking about it today, and I'm like, I I don't think I recommend it. Like, I don't think I recommend this adventure. Mm-hmm. And and the reason why is I just I I it's got a lot of interesting material. A lot of the quests are cool. It's a beautiful book. You know, it's got, it's got a kind of a lot of neat things, but I'm running into a lot of problems just in chapter one. And I already know I'm going to be running into a bunch of problems in chapters three and above Mm -hmm. with things like super weak oral. And like, I don't want to just randomly destroy towns and all kinds of other problems that I'm going to run into later that I know I'm going to run into. It's, it's, it's taking far more work for me to wrangle this thing than it is to run other ones. Now that Mm -hmm. said with my current adventure, uh, my current campaign, my adult one, um, I am leaning heavily on tearing things out of other adventures and using them, uh, and particularly high level stuff. And so now I'm thinking, oh, I should probably go look at the, the oral stuff and the, the nethery city stuff and see if there's stuff I can tear out of there and use, uh, in my current campaign as well. Um, so, uh, I think, um, we're going to make them stop now. <laughs> <laughs> and and give, <laughs> give me my fifteen minutes because we normally try to you know fifteen make sure to mi- stay on time. Jeff. Yeah, fifteen minutes each should mean that the the whole show is forty five minutes and we're uh, over fifty now. 
so, so I, I'm going to get my time in. Um, but before I do, uh, I didn't get a chance to do my little interstitial between uh, Mike's and Sam's time. So let me remind folks, if you want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash the Tome Show. Become a patron, dollar a month if, uh, uh, if you can. Help us out. And that's how I, I'm paying the bills and, and what have you for the show at this point. Uh, we're just trying to make enough money to pay for our hobby, right? Uh, and if you want to find us on social media, we are at the Tome Show on Twitter. We have a Facebook. We have a Discord, which is actually linked in the Twitter description. Um, I don't know. Where, where else are we? I don't know. Is Google Plus still a thing? We're probably still there. <laughs> so. It, uh, I don't believe it is a thing. No. MySpace? Do we have a MySpace? I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so anyway. Um, my game. Uh, or my games. I'm running the two games. Last time we chatted, uh, you know, my my campaign that I called Deep Darkness, um, which was um, Dragon Heist into um, Curse of Strahd, and now they're back. And my Act Three is the Dark Powers from Curse of Strahd have been released into the world, and they've all chosen champions, and they've got to hunt them down and, and figure out what to do with them all. And they haven't really figured out what to do with them all now. So far, they've hunted down and killed a few of the champions. Um, but what they haven't been confronted with the fact that killing the champions doesn't really do much because the dark powers will just pick new ones. Um, but they're coming to, they're figuring some things out. They're coming to some, some realizations. Uh, but when we last chatted, they were in, uh, I, I ripped the Tomb of the Nine Gods out of Tomb of Annihilation and they were in there, uh, and approaching the end of it. And that was, Acerarach was the champion of, the dark power Tenebris, which is like the dark power of liches, right? So that kind of made sense. Um, and so last time I was asking you all about, I was, I was, they were just about to confront the hags, uh, the Sone sisters right before the final big battle with Aserak. And so I was getting some advice on how do you, how do you like all of these like super weak hags seem super weak when you're about to go up against something big bad to, for being at the bottom of this, this dungeon or whatever. But did um, you use the blasphemies? I, I did. I, while we were ta- chatting, I went and bought the, the blasphemous, whatever it is that those spells. Blasphemies of yeah. That's uh, Rob Schwab. Um, converted a bunch of uh, Shadow of the Demon Lord spells into 5th edition. And so I threw a bunch of those at him. And so that was that was particularly nasty for them to deal with, right? Uh, and they were they were appropriately grossed out from the, the handful of spells that, that they were able to pull off from there. Um, and so that had the narrative impact that I wanted it to have. Uh, and then they got into the into the the cradle, right, with with the Atropol there, and I did not, um, I did not want to follow the adventure uh, because first of all they're a little bit higher level, uh, so I didn't want to be like you fight the baby for a while and you beat up on the soulmonger and then a Sarah shows up to to get his revenge. So it was like they had like. Two rounds. I did it by time. They had two rounds to futz with the Atropol <laughs> and the Soulmonger and then a Sararak and, and his uh, Sphere of Annihilation Two, show two rounds at high level is like an hour and 20 minutes, right? No, it wasn't that long. Because um, we got through the hags and the the Soulmonger room and all the rest of the stuff until they were out of the tomb all in one session. Um, 
but it, it the the fight with Aserac went really well. Uh, I I did the quick, uh, you know. It, I think the the adventure suggests you start with just a time stop, and he throws up some defensive spells and whatever. Uh, and then I also had him teleport away, so he was at that ledge where the the portal was to the next area. So he that has no pathway to get to it. So he's over there tossing spells, and and there, you know, the 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 druid is wild. Have a- didn't have a barbarian suplex him into the lava right no 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 the 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 druid wild shaped into a monkey to sort of climb over there and other people were like misty stepping to and trying to squeeze into this little balcony with them and and the the advantage of playing on roll 20 is that i can see exactly where everybody's hit points are so as soon as that one character who is kind of being a pain to him uh, dropped to nine, literally 99 hit points, oh. right? I described it. Oh. This is a, I, I loved this moment. I described it as a Serac looks in your face and, and this, yeah. the flesh, the rotting flesh stretches on the edge of edges of his mouth as he opens die. his mouth, stares at you and says, die. And you do yeah. <laughs> no right. save, no attack. I pulled just, that exact line. He, yeah. He just says, <laughs> die. Says, and you do. You do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I also knew I knew bec- that they had prepared like they had a revivify spell in a ring of spell storing and the uh, and, and somebody ready to cast it. So um, they had that prepped and ready to go. I knew that wasn't. Gonna... Did you beef up his, uh, his off off turn spells? So uh, yeah, no, like... I think I don't remember exactly what all of your um, advice was, but I followed a bunch. Of, I, I, I followed a lot of your being advice, able to yeah. throw fireballs and lightning bolts as legendary actions was a big one. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. Instead of knocking lock i didn't do all of them but i did some of them um yeah. some of those things yeah that's so, when he's dropping three fireballs off his turn like that right. that gets scary yeah. fast <laughs> no absolutely uh but so so eventually they defeated him and and um the way i I've, I've been introducing um items that are like the um um vestiges of divergence from critical role Right, so they kind of level up with you as you hit certain sort of story milestones, right? And so the the character who really wanted a Sarak dead is the character whose backstory was I was just a happy halfling, ghostwise halfling living in Methwood, and some necromancer showed up and slaughtered my entire village, including my wife and daughter. Right. Uh, and so he's been hunting this necromancer this whole time. And the necromancer was a Sarak and the soul of his wife and daughter are in the soul monger. Uh, and so when they destroy the soul monger, it was this big moment of you see this like uh, Ghostbusters flood of souls streaming up uh, through the ceiling. And just for a moment, you see the soul of your wife and daughter turn and look at you and smile and, and, and then go on to their final rest or whatever. Right. But then the, uh, instead of the, the staff of the, what the staff of the forgotten one that a Sarak uses, I had him have this sort of, um, long, um, wand with a sort of a skull topped silver skull topped wand that he was using instead be, and made that one of the vestiges of divergence f- specifically for this halfling. Cause it was a big milestone character moment for him. So of course he, he's the one that gets this special one and it, he's a halfling. So that's long wand becomes a cane, a skull topped cane for him. Um, uh, and so that worked out really well. He, he has this sort of, uh, uh, voodoo theme going on. The character does. He wears the the ratty top hat and and paints the skull image on his face and and does all of that kind of stuff. Right. So it all played out really well. Uh, that whole thing went down brilliantly. Uh, and then I kind of expected them to 
to go back to Waterdeep and to take a take a break, right? Rest, get back to Waterdeep. They, they've been the Druid has picked up tree stride, so that's how they're getting around. I figured they'd go back to to the Trollskull Manor, take a break, and it was going to be this light, nice light uh, conclusion to the to the uh, to the session because the stuffy paladin of the party has been trying to lighten up, and so he had secretly in in game in game weeks ago in in the real world. Months like six months ago, he arranged this with me that he was going to have painters come in and paint this this mural of the sort of dark, edgy loner character riding a pink unicorn surrounded by rainbows and and, and hearts and 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 butterflies and whatever, and all the characters sort of fawning around them, right? Uh, and and so this was going to be the moment they're going to get back from the tomb, and the mural is going to be done, and and I commissioned. Uh, I commissioned a bunch of art for the the, the show from J. Dot Sloan, um, and I figured, hey, while I'm doing this, let me throw a little extra at you. And I had I commissioned her to actually draw the mural for me. So I was re- and, and they emailed me the the art of the mural the same night we were playing that session. So I'm like, the time <laughs> that timing could not have been better. Uh, and then all of a sudden, the halfling's like. So now that this is done, I want to go back to Methwood and finally do this the rites and services to put my family to rest. So we're going to go straight there and not to Waterdeep. So I had to sit on that mural artwork that I had gotten for like two, three weeks, just desperately wanting to show them this awesome piece that that, um, that they put together for for the group. Um, but I, I, I held out, and then um, they went to they went to Methwood. They did these rites, but I had this whole um, I, I figured out because I, I was thinking like they're higher level now. They're like 14, uh, 14th level at this point, and there's not a lot written that I can use for published materials for that high of level of characters. Uh, except Candlekeep Mysteries has been out a little while now. And so I started looking at the higher level adventures there and which ones can I use. And so it kind of made sense that I could use the the Xanthoria, which is actually the highest level adventure from Candlekeep Mysteries. I didn't I didn't tie any I've I've now introduced three of them and none of them are tied to Candlekeep. Um but you know, you're in Methwood, in the ruins of the village where where your family died and whatever, and the entire place is infested with this plague of fungus right and so they went and investigated and found the 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 cave where xanthoria was and they found xanthoria and it was this kind of sad moment i don't know if you're familiar with that adventure but um the idea behind xanthoria is that she is uh, a lich that has figured out a way to bind her soul to another living creature um and that living creature can basically just choose to not ever take damage um and so they find this crying little sprite or pixie or whatever it is uh, thunderwing um at the beginning of the dungeon who's like super sad and doesn't have all of her memories and doesn't know what's going on and follows them along all the way to the end where they figure out that uh the only way to finally defeat xanthoria and get, destroy her phylacteries is if thunderwing chooses to die and and so there's this moment this really sad moment where they have to like have this heartbreaking scene of like so, so Thunderwing, we have to have this conversation and this is not easy because you've been this cute little sprite that's been hanging out with us and you're super sweet and oh, that's so sad, right? And it was, it was, it was appropriately sort of heartbreaking um, uh, in, in, in the way that like, I was a little worried because like this can go to a dark place. Yeah. Like you're heartbreaking effective. in a heartbreaking in an okay way. Yeah, it went, it was heartbreaking in an okay way, but you know, I mean, you're dealing with, 
you're potentially dealing with effectively suicide, right? And, and that can be a, yeah. a touchy subject to be delving into. Um, but it went well. They they put the 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 spirit of the the wife and daughter to, to rest, uh, as well as Thunderwing and and her friends that died in, in Xanthoria's experiments. Um, and then they went finally went back to to Waterdeep, and I got to introduce them to. Um, to the mural and all of that. But then I, inside of Xanthoria's um, sort of little dungeon there in her lab is where I'd introduced the one Candlekeep book from Candlekeep Mysteries. It's the only one I'm actually using the book, uh, which is the, the appendix of Alcazar. Um, but I'm, but I changed the location a little bit to, because I've got one character that I'm like, he needs a little bit of spotlight time. And he's originally from, um, Rashomon. So I'm going to move the location of this whole thing, um, so that it's not all in the Anorak desert. And we're going to move some of it to Rashomon and it's tied to sort of his homeland and give him some spotlight time. Uh, but the other one that I'm tying in is, is, uh, friend of the show, Brenda Stoddard. Uh, wrote an adventure called The Scrivener's Tale. Um, and it's about a book that has an archfey, uh, an evil archfey trapped inside of it that was exiled from the, the winter court or the gloaming court by the Queen of Air and Darkness and trapped in this book um, so that the queen wouldn't have to deal with her shenanigans anymore. Uh, so when the character who died from the uh, power word kill from a Sarak, um she is my player who is, is the right, the creative writer and super creative and, and constantly like taking our things and putting and writing sort of narratives, right? Writing, you know, she's going to compile it all into a massive book at some point, right? Um, and so she wrote a, 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 like an epic poem describing her experience dying. And I'm like, can we, collaborate a little bit and, t- and you can tweak some of that and it goes because she was describing like i died and i met death and i'm like how about you died and you met somebody who you think is death but it's actually uh, there's these little hints and 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 cues and whatever that it's actually the princess of shadow glass which is the big villain of the scrivener's tale and instead of them finding the book th- I'm saying that the Queen of Air and Darkness destroyed the book so that she could never be freed. Uh, and so the, the Princess of Shadowglass is like, like rode her soul back to the world and the book is appearing on her flesh as she, uh, so the, the idea of the original is that you, you open the book and you get a mark. Uh, and the mark sort of progresses and as it, if it gets all the way to tier five, you turn into glass. But otherwise, every other tier, you, there's some benefits and some drawbacks and whatever, right? But I also added, like, not only do you gain these drawbacks and benefits, uh, but every time it increases in, in tier, um, more of the story appears on your skin and slowly covers your body. And so you are the book now in the world that that is trapping um, the princess of Shadow Glass. And so there, after she failed the second save and more of the story appeared uh, and she started getting – she got the drawback of potions no longer affect her. Uh, and that's when they're like, oh, well, no, this is this is serious. We should probably deal with this next. Um, and figure out what the heck is going on. And it was at the same, around the same time that they get attacked by agents of the Queen of Air and Darkness because she doesn't want 
the princess to be to escape, right? Uh, so if I can just kill her, the book is gone again and, and no problem. So they got attacked in Trollskull Manor and, you know, um, uh, yeah. And so that was all – but they decided that they needed to deal with that. So I skipped the whole – there's a Baldur's Gate. There's a Baldur's Gate element of the um, – of the, the original story, I completely skipped that and just gave them the clues. They, they did the research. They're high enough level, whatever. They, they found the information about uh, where the ruins are, the, the Haven of the Red Quill, it's called. Uh, and so they got down into it. They explored a little bit. They found the ghost of the author of the book who, who filled them in on a little bit more of the backstory and what's going on. Meanwhile, the... Um, the um, Princess of Shadowglass is also whispering in her head and, you know, oh, don't listen to that guy. He's a big liar. You need to get in there and free me. Otherwise, unfortunately, you're going to turn to glass. Sorry. There's nothing I can do about it. The only way to stop you from dying is for is if you free me, right? Whoops. Uh, what are you going to do, right? But, of course, she doesn't actually care. Uh, and, then, yeah, and so that's actually where we left off. We were about halfway through. They figured out that in order to get into the ritual room to, to free the princess of shadow glass, they needed to get the three keys from the statues. And then I'm like, and now we're going to stop even though, like, we still have half an hour left of our normal game session time because that encounter is, like, it's one of those where um, – you you try to get the key from the statue and of course it animates and, and starts attacking. But it animates and starts attacking and all of the scholars who used to be in this dungeon also animate and there's like an endless supply of mummies that appear. And then once you kill the st- destroy the statue and get the key, the next statue animates and more of these mummies appear. And then the next one a few rounds later. And so I'm like, this is one of those encounters that like it feels like it's going to be a quick little kill a handful of things and it's like no it's one encounter after another encounter after another encounter with no breaks in between i don't want to start that with half an hour left of our game session (laughs) and so that's actually where we where we stopped last time my time is up and i still i think this is happening a lot i didn't get to talk about descent into avernus um I've been running that with the boys. The the Eventier bundle uh, with with all kinds of advice on how to run it has continued to be just fantastic. I didn't have super high expectations because I'm like, I've run a lot of adventures. I know how things run and how to tweak things and how to change things pretty well. Um, But, you know, it'll be interesting to see somebody else's take on it, right? Um, And it is is really good and I'm I'm finding myself using it way more than I thought I would. Um, And so, long story short, um, they freed Kostichi a month ago and this month they... um, they got to the Bleeding Citadel. They got through the Scab uh, and they went through Idleglen, which took two sessions. Um, and now they – and then they we've, we concluded the adventure with – and then you claim the sword. Uh, and that was that was the end of that. So anyway, that was me in a, in a nutshell. So I find it funny that you um, – you mentioned uh, Tomb of Annihilation earlier when you said that you – you're thinking about rhyme in the same way that you are thinking of using tomb where you pull things out and don't run the whole thing. And tomb of annihilation is my other favorite fifth edition adventure that I've run. And the reason that I chose these two to run is because they're very sandboxy and, you know, and it's very clearly, you know, a style that I like. Yeah. My, my issues with tomb aren't the sandboxy nature of it. It's the, it's the, uh, it's the ticking time bomb and now go explore. It's, it's the exploration adventure that turns into a death trap dungeon. Um, 
And and we've talked about all yeah, that before, yeah, yeah. but I'm just pointing out that the whole first half of that adventure is very yeah, similar in terms of where do they go, which quests do they get, how right. you know what do they discover, where do they move around, and how do you plan that out in your game? Yeah, although although I feel yeah. like. Um, and maybe it's because of the nature of it being an exploration, uh, you know, a hex crawl uh, sort of exploration, map exploration adventure. Uh, I feel like it, the I don't feel the need for guidance on on Tomb of Annihilation as much as I do. Yeah, I didn't. For, I didn't feel like I need as much work to run Tomb as I am. Uh, I, you know, with as I don't think I had as hard a time running Tomb as I am running Frost Maiden. But I know other people that did. I know other people mm-hmm. that had the same problem of like we have this big motivation to do this thing. And now we're just wandering around getting lost in the swamp and running into weird stuff, like Mm -hmm. not having a clear tie of like, how are we, how is this helping us get to Omu? Right. Right. So, so I know other people had trouble with it. I didn't have it. And I, 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 I like you uh, really too. I think is my second favorite of the hardbacks. Yeah. Next to Cursus Strahd. Yeah. And so Jeff, do you find descent into Avernus? I've heard a lot about, the when they get there and they're supposed to be traveling around hell like that's a little bit sandboxy and then you know if you throw in like the elephant thing where she can't remember right like and and all of that is sort of like oh here's these tools and now just have your party travel around like does that feel to you like it's sandboxy as written it is not sandboxy at all that said uh this eventier's uh bundle has uh, like one of the things in this bundle is just a whole product of here's how to run that part as a sandbox and honestly whether you run it like it says there or not and seldom am i taking what's in there and just doing it because uh, some of it's also like, what if you don't want to have Lulu? Here's how you cut Lulu out and, and still get the parts right, you need, right. that kind of stuff. Right. I really like Lulu. Uh, I think she's fun, whatever. Um, but there, but even without just fully embracing the how do you run it as a sandbox thing, because by the time I got the bundle, I was already like three-fourths of the way through that chapter. Um, there was still a lot there to add to and the advice to take there's like oh this is a good idea and this is a more logical sort of order of things and um that that makes you know like i one of the things that i did in, in since the last time we chatted was um there's a there's a moment in one of the paths this, as written it's not a sandbox it's here's two linear paths you can follow either one right um, the only reason it w- doesn't play out that way was because they have to roll two dice anytime they're traveling from one location to another. And if it ever comes up as doubles, they actually accidentally end up in a different place. So at one point they actually mm-hmm. ended up hopping from one path to another path right. because they right. ended up on another one. And they're like, oh, wait, but if we do it this way, we don't have to make a deal with the devil. Let's do it this way. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, but so, and, and that actually came up quite a bit because you're uh, for parts of it you're rolling two d fours, and if it comes up doubles, you know there's yeah. a decent chance that happens. Um, yeah. And so, but one of the things I really liked from this was that on one of the paths, there the advice is you're going from the crypt of the Hell Riders, and the advice that you get from Olanthius, the NPC there, is go over to these arches. And you can teleport from there to anywhere you want in, in Avernus. And that's how you get to Kostichi to, to free him. Which doesn't actually make a ton of sense because Avernus, they, they go out of their way to describe how Avernus is weird and, and time and space don't work right. And if you wanted to get there faster, you, they just get there faster, right? Um, there's no reason for them to have to suddenly teleport now when they haven't in any, any other times. Uh, but this bundle gives the advice of, no, no, no. What if the arches 
are the only way to to get to the Bleeding Citadel, which is why Zeriel and her agents haven't found it anywhere in Avernus, because the only way to get there is through here, and you can't get through there unless you have the blessing or whatever of of the guardian Olak, which is why they're called the Arches of Olak. Uh, and the and and that was also fun because it was um, it was like one or two rounds teleported to each layer of hell until you can identify what layer of hell you're on. It was that was the Sphinx Olak is a Sphinx. And that was the Sphinx's riddle is uh, I'm gonna ask you the same question, was it nine times? Uh, and you're going to have to answer it every every time. And meanwhile, you know, okay, now we're in this layer of hell and there's stuff attacking you. And now you're in this layer of hell and, you know, there's an avalanche and there's uh, coming down the mountain and, and whatever, you know. And so there's challenges at each one and how long you're stuck there depends on how long it takes you to figure out what layer of hell you're in. And so that was a lot of fun. And I got that from the bundle as well. And so, yeah, I, I, I've taken a lot from there and it, I think it, it runs better. Well, let me tell you why I'm, I'm, I sort of asked about Tomb of Annihilation and then Descent into Avernus and with respect to the rhyme thing, because it seems to me that I, f- I feel like the designers at Wizards or, or the, you know, you know, when they, when they're planning out things, it feels to me like they felt like Rhyme of the Frost Maiden is a sort of, um, natural, it's it's in the natural, you know. It's the it's it's uh, so they start with Tomb of Annihilation. They have a little bit of sandboxy stuff, but then there's this major goal that you know about from the mm-hmm. beginning, right? As written, and then there's also um, you know Dragon Heist ha- is is kind of sandboxy, but you pick you know you pick which villain and you pick which mm-hmm. you know uh, which season or whatever, and then there's uh, then there's Avernus, which is. Well, now you're telling me it's linear, but I was I I was under the impression there was like a it's the only one I haven't read all of. So mm-hmm. I was under the impression there was a lot of sandboxy elements to traveling around and everything. Um, and then you get to rhyme, which is kind of all of that put together, right? It's sandboxy. I mean, I think I think you can follow the progression, but I think part of what they've been doing is they've been trying because, like, it's it's I think my decade or two or however many of looking at D&D adventures tells me it's really hard to write a good sandboxy adventure that has a strong story and whatever. Uh, and they've been, exp- I, I feel like if you follow the arc of third edition adventures, at least the ones published by Watsi and not that they, that they are the written by Watsi, not the ones that they uh, hired other studios to write, um, mm-hmm. that you can kind of follow the through line. Like you can see the experimentation you can see how they're kind of working on things and developing things and evolving things. And I appreciate that they're doing that, but it doesn't always hit. And they don't, you know, their their publishing schedule is such that I don't know if they don't have or don't take the time to go back. And when they hear that something doesn't hit, going back and, and adjusting it. Well, I mean, by the time... By the time they hear that something doesn't hit, they're already deep into designing the next thing where it's already done. Right. So, or, or they're hearing it in playtest, and and at playtest, they're not looking to overhaul major things; they're looking to tweak. You know. Right. I just think it's really interesting because I, I feel like it feels like a natural progression from how they started with with mm. Tyranny of Dragons, right, with the Horde of the Dragon Queen, Tyranny of Dragons, and moved to the Princes of the Apocalypse, mm-hmm. and then Storm King's Thunder, and like as you move through all those, ignoring the sort of um, like Tales of the Yawning Portal and Salt Marsh, right, ignore those, but 
it feels like there is a progression that they were going for and they're trying to use different elements in each book mm. and in a way, it feels like they think that's standing in for teaching you how to run that sort of adventure. But the thing is, it's not a stand-in no. for teaching you how to run that. I agree. Because you also don't know what else a DM has run. You can't assume that every DM that picks up Rhyme has run all the others and so learned all the lessons from all the others to be able to run Rhyme. So even mm-hmm. though it seems like there's some kind of weird progression – um, it also, like, I, I don't know what, I don't remember what my point was, I, <laughs> but you understand what I'm saying? Like, the, like it, I, 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 that's why I was asking you about how you felt about two yeah. violation and dissent, because it feels like there's some kind of progression that they've been following, but yet it doesn't actually have the, this is what I was going to say. It doesn't have the payout that I feel like they would, they, they feel like they should have, right? Yeah. Because then they get to this sort of pinnacle of here's a sandboxy thing with lots of specific quests, and but it has this specific focus and it's got these really cool creatures and it's got this really great end game thing and all that, but yet it doesn't actually hit all the notes it's supposed to hit. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we have we have gone a good hour and 20 minutes now. And and there is all kinds of fantastic like conversation and questions in in the chat this episode, um, and I'd love to talk about them, but it, it is it is bedtime. So unfortunately, um, uh, Dave and Zellspell, um, I we can totally talk about those questions sometime. But maybe shoot them to us in an email. Uh, maybe we can. Those are the kinds of things that we can we can delve into deeper at some point. But. Um, it is clearly not going to be tonight because we all had lots of stuff to discuss. <laughs> all right. So uh, I think that's where we're going to stop things. This has been our May episode of Behind the DM Screen for 2021. Um, I don't know. Find us on Facebook and Twitter is at The Tome Show and Mike is at, at Slide Flourish and I am at Squatch, S-Q-U-A-C-H, and Sam is at DM Samuel. Uh, on Twitter and that's gonna be where we end things so say goodbye guys goodbye guys bye guys